0: Our second scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, beginning with verse 12. Now during those days he went out to the mountain to pray, and he spent the night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose 12 of them, who he also named apostles, Simon, who he named Peter, and his brother Andrew, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. May God continue to bless our understanding of this sacred text. Will you pray with me? O gracious and loving God, may the meditations of all our hearts and minds and souls be pleasing unto you this day and always, amen. For a very long time, I have assumed Jesus was an introvert because one of the things we know about introverts is that they are re-energized by being alone or spending time in a quiet place. They may enjoy a party, but they may go home exhausted from all the small talk. They don't mind solitude, In fact, they love it. An extrovert, on the other hand, loves a party and comes home energized by all the social interaction. Extroverts may dread the idea of spending time alone, any time alone. So I had always guessed that Jesus was an introvert because we hear in Scripture how often he's going off into the wilderness to be alone with God. Given Jesus' public ministry, however, he may not have actually been an introvert, but he did clearly understand the importance of centering his life and his community and his ministry first and foremost in solitude with God. This passage from Luke demonstrates this and is a wonderful lesson in how we too can align our lives in this way. What's remarkable about this very brief passage from Luke is that in an evening, a morning, and an afternoon, Jesus teaches us, by example, what following him looks like. He spends the evening in solitude, praying to God. The very next morning, he calls his disciples, his community. And by afternoon, he and his apostles begin their ministry, moving out into the crowds to heal. Whether we are introverts or extroverts, Jesus is teaching us to center ourselves in solitude with God. The prophet Isaiah knew it too. The prophet Isaiah spoke, in returning to rest, you shall be saved. In quietness, trust shall be your strength. By first being alone with God, we are better in community whether that community is our family, our workplace, our small groups, our congregation. Becoming centered in God and solitude and then community, we can move out into the world, healing, spreading love, being kind, truly being Christ's disciples. Solitude, community, ministry. Being alone with ourselves, much less with God, is not something that seems to come naturally for many of us. Think about the last time that you were alone and not tempted to fill up the stillness with something, anything to do. We turn on the TV, or we call a friend, or we read a book, or we scroll through our phones. When was the last time you just sat still, not doing anything, just being But rather than viewing this solitude, this alone time, as something that we resist, what if we consider being intentionally alone or quiet as a rare and wonderful gift that we give to ourselves, and as a way to center our lives with God's intention for us? Some of you have shared with me that being silent or in prayer and hoping to hear that still, small voice of God is intimidating. Because what if we don't actually hear God's voice? And sometimes frankly we won't but what if we consider prayer more about a quiet time of remembering the one who calls each and every one of us beloved what if prayer were more about letting that holy loving presence seep into the center of our soul into your very being prayer is not always a voice that you hear with your ears it is not always an insight that suddenly comes to you in your mind But prayer can simply be sitting still and alone and noticing. What does the ground feel like beneath your feet, especially if you're barefoot? What do you hear that you normally wouldn't hear because you've filled up the space around you with other noise? What is your senses telling you? Are you warm? Are you cold? Are you hungry? Do you actually notice the miracle of your every breath? everything you notice in this silence is holy everything you notice is god with you well the story of jesus in the wilderness doesn't say anything about god's booming voice speaking to him we don't know exactly what happened but imagine jesus just spending quiet time with his loving parent letting god's holy presence seep into his very being it is only then that he returns from the mountain to call his community of apostles and begin his ministry of healing. Imagine the solitude that even God experienced before creation. And after a busy week of work, even God returned to rest and quiet. God called it Sabbath. And God calls us to Sabbath. In fact, he commands it. But it's countercultural, isn't it? Sabbath-keeping is a resistance to the clutter, the noise, the advertising, the busyness, and the virtual living that can suck the life out of our lives. Sabbath-keeping is a resistance to constant production and work and accumulation. It may be the most difficult of the Ten Commandments to keep, but it may also be the most important. In resting and prayer, we grow in our relationship with God who loves us unconditionally. And we know Jesus observed the Sabbath. And so like Jesus, once we are grounded in solitude and Sabbath, we can emerge knowing that we are loved and return to community, recognizing that everyone around us is loved by God. If we enter community knowing and trusting that we are loved, we won't look to the community expecting them to make us feel loved, for God has already affirmed our belovedness. Within a community that knows it's loved, there can be forgiveness. There can be mutual sharing. There can be compassion. Community, we know, is not necessarily easy, but it is certainly easier when we enter it knowing that we are all equal in God's eyes. Jesus understood that when he called his own community of followers. The last name that he called was the apostle who would betray him. And the first one he called would be the one to deny him. Community can mean families and friends and congregations and neighborhoods. Community can mean a way of living. It is where we learn to accept each other's humanity. It is where we can be vulnerable with each other and celebrate each other's gifts. And from the community, we too are called to minister, each and every one of us. In scripture, we hear hear that healing came from the power that came out from Jesus. Well, imagine the power that comes out from a community that knows it is loved, that respects one another's humanity, that knows and extends compassion. Is it doing ministry? Yes. But it is even more about our very being and what radiates from us as we move about the world. As one author reflected, Jesus cured people not by doing all sorts of complicated things. He didn't say, let me talk to you for 10 minutes and maybe I can do something about this. Everyone who touched him was cured because a power went out from his heart. He wanted one thing, to do the will of God. He was always listening to God, and out of this listening came an intimacy with God that radiated out to everyone Jesus saw and touched. We can be that healing presence in the world as well, and oh my, doesn't our world need more healing? Solitude, community, ministry. Three seemingly simple disciplines that could change the world Sometimes we jump right into the doing of ministry or we join a community seeking to be loved without spending time with God first to be reminded we're already deeply and unconditionally loved. Worship is a holy place where we can practice each of these disciplines, although we often gloss over the quiet times, don't we? And so this morning, I'm going to stop preaching in a moment and we are going to rest in the quiet solitude of this place, in hopes that you'll practice and embrace the gift of solitude in your own lives. Then we will join our voices together in community and come to the table where all are welcomed, where all are reminded once more that they are loved and forgiven, and we will eat and drink and know that we are standing on holy ground. And then we will share that peace of Christ with one another to be reminded that as we leave this place, we can be that healing presence to a world in need. And just like Jesus, when he became tired or we become lost or we forget that we are loved, we too can return to times of silence and be grounded once more in solitude, surrounded by our compassionate God. And so let it be that we spend these next few moments in silence. Close your eyes. Take a few deep breaths and listen and feel and simply be resting in God's holy presence. Amen.